0: If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of the Limits of Inner Truth radio show. Outoflimitsradio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. I am probably the most unpopular person I have ever met in my entire life. Like, I literally believe that my purpose is to stand next to people so their self-esteem will go up and feel better about themselves. When I look in the mirror, I don't get a reflection part of the time because I think the mirror says, I can do better. If I was a booger, I wouldn't get picked. If I was a pimple, I wouldn't get squeezed. And I bring this to your attention because I believe that we all have a purpose in life. And our featured guest has a distinctive purpose. In addition to being a warrior for freedom and to raising awareness of the battle, He's also like the Dr. Phil of the Freedom and movement. Because if you look at the world right now, you hear all this stuff, oh, vaccine passports and, you know, the civil liberties are getting crazy and they're taking all our rights and they want to microchip us. And it's just crazy. And it's like, oh, my God, how do you go through life without drinking some Jack Daniels? And our featured guest is like, no, there are a lot of positive things going on. There's actually wonderful things happening. And I'm just thinking – What drugs are you taking and where can I get my hands on them? But our featured guest does not take drugs. He just has a wider perspective. (laughs) And I think it's awesome. And I love when people have a positive perspective on the world as it is because it seems that it's going crazy. And if you've noticed lately, we've been having some real terrific guests that see things wider. So just think about that for a second. You look at the world, you see things in the present moment. Are there some things that we're missing? Well, our future guest is going to explain the bigger picture, so sit back, relax, grab the popcorn, and get ready for the feel-good experience of the week. Let us begin tonight's show. It is a great honor once again to welcome back to the show Larkin Rose, a voluntarist. He is an author. He is also a person who never ceases to challenge the stupid belief in authority can learn more about Larkin Rose by going to his website at therosechannel.com. Larkin, welcome back. How are
1: you? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back.
0: Thank you. All right. So last time we spoke to you, saw some positive developments in the world. And as of today, we've got the government putting out commercials telling people, hey, If you inject your body with an experimental vaccine that we have no long-term effects, you can get a free donut. And that's probably the underlying reason why a lot of people are getting these vaccines. The fact that they put that out there, the fact that they're utilizing that as an effective means to get people to take this vaccine, does that give you more hope or less hope, the fact that they're utilizing that? Because that's a level that the elites think that they're dealing with as far as the mentality of most people.
1: It doesn't really change my my level of hope at all like i I already was well aware how gullible and unthinking the vast majority of people are, and how easy they are to to manipulate with fear um, the thing is and and for this discussion today, an analogy occurred to me um I like analogies as you may have noticed that if you let's say you have a you have a magic time machine and you're flying around and you don't know where you are or when you are and you land in some place and oh like we're we're visiting this school and there's a bunch of like well-dressed polite little children learning stuff and it's like oh cool they seem educated and nice and polite and and then they all get out of school and run off to be for their Hitler's youth meeting and you go oh my gosh like they were the same people before you realized before they demonstrated for all the world to see their mentality, their gullibility, their their stupidity. And in the, the current fiasco going on, whether it's bribing people with donuts or everybody wearing masks, it the difference isn't that everybody used to be enlightened and wise and they suddenly got stupid. It's just that now you have a very easy visual way to confirm what they already were. And, you know, if two years ago you passed them in the supermarket, you would have no way to know if they think for themselves or fall for fear-mongering or believe government or any of that. So it isn't that, it isn't the people getting any worse. Like, bribing them with donuts doesn't really surprise me that that works. And a lot of people think, well, I guess it's for my health because the experts say so. That doesn't surprise me. It's not, my optimism does not come from a belief that most people are like, critical thinkers and and really (laughs) rational and educated. They're not. Like, I've known that forever. That hasn't changed. Um, But anyway, I'll I'll let you keep going. But I wanted to, to, to throw in that analogy because it isn't when you get something like this that that just demonstrates what was already there. It's easy to be like mortified or discouraged or something. But that didn't change anything. That's what they already were. It's just. A way to see what they already were.
0: I thought it was just the way that they're presenting as a way of how the uh, the elites are gauging the gullibility and cowardice of the general public because they see yeah. that if they are using more for – I mean it seems like they're very authoritarian right now and I'm pretty surprised about what happened in Canada, how quickly it just completely collapsed in its full force uh, totalitarian – when you see something like that, and you see a, a a nation like that collapse so quickly, does that give you great cause of concern? And at the same token, I guess I'll come back to the next question will be about your optimism, but does that give you cause of concern when you see a, a country that collapses that fast? Because I just watched your video last night, again, it can't happen here, and I I wonder if Canada skipped a few of those steps because they, they went really fast.
1: <laughs> a flying leap to it. <laughs> yeah it doesn't really it doesn't really surprise or, or upset i mean it's a little bit upsetting to to witness the gullibility and stupidity and compliance that you kind of expected of people like if you know somebody and you know they're going to do something stupid you still cringe when they do something stupid um but to me it isn't again it's just it's an illustration of what was in them this whole time and their mentality the whole time the fact that it hadn't been tested this way and they hadn't been called on to do this particular set of stupid things and put up with this particular set of stupid authoritarian garbage. To me, that doesn't change who they are and, and what they believe, which, you know, obviously the vast majority of people are still statist, which is why we do what we do, Um But to see it come out in the open, as weird as this may sound, to see it come out in the open is a good thing. Now, it can be depressing because you see how many people go along with it and put up with it. But seeing them do it doesn't mean they got any worse. It's what they already were. But at the same time, when the ruling classes do it this overtly, it actually pushes a bunch of those normal people, even if it's a tiny minority percentage-wise, it pushes a bunch of those people into going, wait, what uh, what? You get to do what? Like there was that fun little video of the 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 minister or pastor, or whatever he was up in Canada <laughs> yelling for the, the mass Nazis to get out and just chase them out of his church. And then they um I don't I think it was a different turn, uh, church that they came back and they're trying to be all fascist and surrounding it. The thing is, this is a long-term game. This is a chess game. And So when you see a move that is like fascist and authoritarian, you have to keep in mind that what ultimately matters is the mentality of people. And nobody who is pro-freedom is looking at this going, well, golly, I just I don't like freedom anymore. Now I think it's great that they're doing this. So, you know, nobody who was already awake is becoming unawake. A whole bunch of people who were already well indoctrinated are still well indoctrinated. But in between those two, there is a group of people, and it's substantial, who were normal, law-abiding taxpayers who never questioned it, who are actually being pushed to the point of saying, this is ridiculous and stupid and why are we going along with this? Which means the only actual change we're seeing is in the right direction. Now, it's easy to be depressed by seeing all the people going along with what they were going to go along with anyway because of their authoritarian upbringing. But the fact of the matter is this in the long run, this is not doing the state any good because in the long run, it doesn't matter what, what, what they push today or what happens today. It matters what the mentality of humanity is. And as sad an illustration as this is of, of how a lot of people think it's actually pushing more people in the right direction to say, wait, this is, this is absurd. We can't have this people who, you know, a year and a half ago, we're like, oh, of course I would always obey the law. I would never doubt my all-loving, all-knowing governor, president, mayor, whatever. And now a bunch of those same people are like, heck you, who are you to tell me when I can leave my house and when I can open my business? And so it's 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 discouraging to see the nature of mankind in general, but that's how they've always been. But it's encouraging to see that there's actually a positive change coming out in the midst of all the pathetic obedience.
0: Well, when you see positive change, what actions,
1: because
0: if we visually, if you describe the people that are indoctrinated and will bow, like and capitulate like before authority, we see them, I guess, with the mask on, even if they don't even believe in it, maybe they'll just do it. What were some of the visualizations we could look at and see, okay, well, that is a visualization of collective groups of people pushing back what would you say would be some of the signs we could be looking for and be more aware of?
1: Yeah, well, well an important thing to do is is getting into the mind of the people. And it's something that, that a lot of pro-freedom people don't really put that much effort into. They see, oh, these people are wearing masks. They're just obedient sheep, which is true about, of a bunch of them. But look closer. A bunch of those people were just scared into believing a lie. They believe there's this super deadly plague going around that if they don't wear a mask, they're either going to die or give it to somebody else and they're going to die. Like, they believe a lie. That doesn't mean they're pro-authoritarian. It just means they're easy to fool. And you can see it in places where there isn't a mask mandate, but a lot of people are wearing them anyway because they were scared into it. That's not an indication of they will do whatever they're told. It's an indication of you can scare them into doing unnecessary and stupid things if they believe you. So there's that whole category. Then there's another whole category. You're talking about like what visual cues you see put people walking around with the mask below their nose and they're taking it off yeah. half the time. <laughs> and, it's, and or they you know, there's there's crowds of people going in and out of a store and they all put on their mask on the way in and they all take it off on the way out. And there's just as many people in the parking lot. Those people aren't scared of it. They're just like, uh, I guess I'll do this so nobody complains at me. And so those people aren't. None of these people are really my enemies, um, except maybe the occasional person who has a complete tantrum at somebody who isn't towing the line and, and, and going along the, (laughs) the Karens, if you will, like they're actually pushing the stupid, stupidity and insanity forward. But most of the people are going along or either going along out of fear because they don't know any better and they were just scared. Or they're going along because they just don't want people complaining at them. And neither of those means these people will do whatever authority tells them. They will do something they view as basically trivial if either they're scared or something of something or they just don't want to be hassled about it. But while that's going on, like and I've made it a point to talk to people, like if somebody brings it up in conversation, or sometimes I'll bring it up myself. And say the masters are just stupid. They, they actually make things worse just to see how they'll respond. And so many people are just – they're a rant waiting to happen. And if they hear somebody else and they realize that you think it's stupid and the shutdowns are stupid, they'll go on a rant agreeing with you and say, I know. Like, uh, and I, I've seen this. I've done this myself. And a, uh, a friend of mine does it like everywhere, everywhere he goes. So when I was with him, I got to see him do it where he would ask the people at the gas station or the restaurant or something like, what do you actually think about this mask thing? Like, are you really worried about it? And every single time they go, oh, no, it's utterly stupid. They just make me do it. And I hate it. It's so uncomfortable. <laughs> it's a, and they just go on this tirade, which shows that they're already on our side. They already don't believe it. They already hate it. They don't go along with it, with this feeling of devotion and pride at going along. They, this, this frustrated, you know, annoyed compliance that they just don't want to lose their job or something. And that to me is a way more important indicator than whether or not somebody's wearing a mask is what do they actually think? What's going on in their head? Because you can go from compliance to complete disobedience in a heartbeat. And this is something tyrants always miss and they always get it wrong, because if you have a bunch of people who are going along because they're sort of scared of of what might happen if they don't, and then the whole mob gets riled up and suddenly none of them are going along with it because none of them actually wanted to. None of them were proud to obey. They just felt like they didn't have a choice. But that can very quickly, if the mentality is right, very quickly collapse into nobody's going along with it. And that's been true in, in a bunch of places in, in Arizona. It, it's funny to watch the the difference in different places. Like if I go half an hour north of here, the vast majority of people aren't wearing masks. And around here, a bunch of people are. Now it's fewer because the governor said, never mind the local commands to wear masks. So you can see, I mean, that, that in itself was a dead giveaway. When they stopped saying you have to do this, half the people were like, oh, good, then we're not going to. Which means they weren't scared. They were just sort of going along with it to avoid hassle or whatever. So there's sometimes you have to look deeper than just, well, is the person wearing a mask or not? Like find out what's going inside on inside their head. And there is a lot of positive indications as you know, on top of all the people going along with it because, because they believe in authority and would never break the law. Blah, blah, There's plenty of that. There's been plenty of that forever, but there, the movement of, of, human mentality is what matters and it's still going in the right direction
0: that's awesome i wish it would go there a lot faster
1: yeah me, and, me too.
0: Ah, uh, she's it, it can't go there quick enough one person i re- have a lot of respect for is dr naomi wolf she's been on our show twice and she really came out hard against these vaccine passports and she was making so much noise and i think she whipped up enough people i mean she was really and i know james uh, Corbett was talking about the vaccine passports years ago, Mm -hmm. maybe a year or two ago. And uh, Jeff Berwick was talking about it as well. And I really credit, uh, I think, a lot of the pushback because of these louder voices. So, yeah, and even you too, I mean, doing a lot of this stuff. So what are some of the things, I I mean, actually, what are your thoughts about these vaccine passports? Do you think that it's just a matter of time before they'll break people down and they'll implement them? Do you think they'll be successful with these vaccine passports?
1: No. And I've said that from the beginning. I thought like they might be dumb enough to try it, but it isn't going to work. And just recently I saw in the news, I, I should have gotten the link before mentioning it, but the, the feds basically said, yeah, we're not going to do a federal vaccine passport. And When people in power say that, it is absolutely never because they think, well, we really respect your rights. And it is always because they did their polling and they did the studying and they, you know, put their finger to the wind to see what's going on. And their experts came back to the politicians and said, you're not getting away with it. If you actually try to pull this off, there's going to be such disobedience that you're going to have to back off anyway. So you might as well not try it. It's the same thing with gun control. Like, we're going to push for this. We're going to confiscate this. Never mind. We're not really going to. Well, what did they suddenly change their mind? No, they found out that it would end really, really badly if they tried it. And that's the only time they pull back on things. So the fact that they came, the feds came out and said, we're not going to do a federal version of a vaccine passport tells me that. They know there would be enough of a backlash, whether it's like legal and taking them to court or people just <laughs> shooting at them or anything in between, you know, peaceful, civil, civil disobedience or outright resistance. And and that's what I was saying ages ago is, yeah, there are some things they they might be dumb enough to try. They can. Uh, I And I said this ages ago, I could totally see them trying to make it so, well, you can't do this without doing a that first, because that's usually how they, they attempt their control freakism and i said there's there they're not nearly going to just say okay everyone has to get vaccinated because they know damn well a bunch of people are just going to shoot them if they try that so the next thought is well maybe we say you need a vaccine card in order to do this and this and this which they tried in some places and there's enough of a backlash that they're like okay we can't make that permanent because there would just be way too much resistance so what's going like what's happening in legislation always comes after what the mentality of the people is and and what they're going to put up with. And so the vaccine passports, and it's not like I was sure they wouldn't try it, but I was sure they would fail, even if they like, okay, now we passed it, there would be such a backlash. And it doesn't have to be from a majority. You know, if a few million people say, we're going to be a you know, sabotage the hell out of everything you're doing because you're trying to make it because we can't move unless we get your stupid shot, then it immediately becomes an unforceable unafo- disaster for them. And see, all of this depends on the mentality of the people. And if you don't have complete loyalty of the vast majority of the people, you can't pull something like that off. You can't pull off widespread gun confiscation, which is why they keep threatening it and trying to limit this and limit that. And they never try it because they know full well what would have happened. And it's the same thing with the vaccine passports. And they'll probably, they'll probably keep doing the stupid thing they do with gun control is float another trial balloon every five seconds. And now will people put up with it? Now we do it over here. What if we just do it over here? And so it's not like they won't keep trying, but the mentality of the people is actually going in the right direction. Again, you and I both wish it was going there. I wish
0: it was going faster. I want this to happen uh, so fast, and because the people who I I talk with that are pro freedom, it's like wonderful. Like if there were just more people like you, you, like I tell everyone who's pro freedom, I said, you know what? Just stop buying condoms. Stop buying condoms. Be promiscuous. We need to repopulate. (laughs) We need some backup over here. (laughs) Tell them that you.
1: When I watch, non idiots. I
0: try. I really try to encourage it. When I watched, uh, it can't happen here. And I, we see horrible regimes like Joseph Stalin and Mao Zedong, and you know the Hitler. Did those people that were under their control did they did those uh, dictators have total compliance from the people? Did people completely believe in them? Like, what would you say the difference between those fascist, murderous regimes compared to where the U.S. is? And uh, at the same time, you talked about a couple things that were. Where the U.S. was on the road to, to, to tyranny, and I think that the last two steps were freedom of speech and the Second Amendment, and that wall—they're—they're they're like chinks in the wall for, for the Second Amendment. But I think since that, since that your video was published, I think the First Amendment's taken some hits. So I'm just curious where you you see things headed right now in the U.S.
1: Yeah, there's a, some dents in the First Amendment yeah. too. <laughs> the difference, and this is something that'll offend a bunch of Americans, but guess whether I care. The difference between Nazi Germany, Soviet Russia, Red China, and the US is not that our quote-unquote rulers are nicer and care about rights. The only difference at all, in any way, shape, or form, is what they can get away with, which depends entirely on the mindset of the people. The reason I haven't fled the USSA is because with all the patheticness going on, I think there is still a higher percentage of the population here than anywhere else that is capable not only of saying no to authority, but of outright resisting. Now, I do have to say I've seen a bunch of other countries where there have been massive protests and disobedience about their insane lockdowns with just thousands and thousands of people in the streets going, yeah, no, we're not doing that. (laughs) that which is really encouraging to see because i don't just want, you know, this group of 300 whatever million people to wake up i want the whole world to wake up from the insanity of statism too. but the difference between those nasty regimes and and here isn't the people in power we have some evil psychopathic lunatics in power the only check on their power is not the constitution and it's not the voting booth it's the point at which people will disobey and resist and I think again, because the psychology and the mentality matters so much. I wish people would, including people in the freedom movement, would take the time to focus carefully. Like the video, probably most of us have seen it now of the uh, the, the pastor up in Canada yelling at the fa- the masked Nazis to get it was out. Awesome, what he did. And eventually they did, which is awesome. And people go rah rah rah, and that's outstanding. Watch that again, and watch carefully the faces of the fascists. They're ashamed and they feel weak and they feel stupid and they feel embarrassed and they're trying to just, quote unquote, do their job like good little Nazis. But eventually they just walked away. He wasn't pointing a gun at them. He was just calling them out and saying, get out and speaking with like authority. I hate to use that term. <laughs> speaking with conviction, like I'm not going along with this stupidity. And you can just see the cowardice in their eyes, as they eventually just slink away. And that is hugely important. The mentality of the enforcers is hugely important. Because if the enforcers go, "Uh, yeah, this is dumb, I'm not doing this. That's the end. We win. If nobody acts as their enforcers, the game is over. And they know that. And that's one of the reasons they sometimes pull back on this fascist garbage. It isn't just oh, too many of the people will resist, it's our own underlings won't even do this. And there are a bunch of examples of that with the with the mask mandates and the lockdowns where a bunch of sheriffs in different states across the country said, yeah, we're just not enforcing that. You can stay open. I know the governor said you can't, but you know we say you can, and who's going to punish you if you don't?
0: Larkin, <laughs> I got to I mean,
1: Who's going to punish you if you disobey if all of the law enforcers say, yeah, we're not doing that?
0: Larkin, you, you are... A- Amazing writer and passionate advocate for freedom, but I highly think you should consider. I think you're like the Dr. Phil of the freedom movement. You should seriously like because seriously like people like should listen to you that are in this fight because because like, you, like, you give like you give like you put it in a very simplistic way. So I hope you'll consider becoming a mental health professional, counselor for the freedom <laughs> movement because you, you do an amazing job. You you explain it very simply. Because you know, a lot of people, I'm sure, before listening to the show, they were like, "Oh my God!" You know, they're going to put the vaccine passports on. It's going to be, you know, the Orwellian 1984. But it's pretty hopeful. What, what really inspires you every day? What gives you the most hope about the future?
1: Well, I have the advantage of having been having done this for a quarter of a century. I, I became a volunteerist in 1996, which seems like about 12 lifetimes ago. Um, but to see the difference in mentality from then compared to now. Like it's, I, I compare it, like, when I'm talking to Amanda, I often compare it to like, there you are and you're trying to push a 700,000 ton barge and you push and push and push and it's still there and you push and push and push and it's still there and there's no sign of it moving. And and that's what it felt like the first you know, 10, 15 um, years of, me trying so hard to spread this idea. And of course, I'm not the only one now. Um, I felt like the only one back then, but even back then there were, there were others, but the numbers were really tiny. But when you push and push and push this massive thing, this is going to turn into a physics lesson, the, the inertia makes it really dang hard to move it, the mental inertia of the population. But the thing is, once it starts moving, even a tiny little bit, If you get a many thousand ton barge moving at one foot an hour, that is a massive amount of momentum, even though it barely even looks like movement. And so when I look back to to what this was like when I started a quarter of a century ago, and I look today and on a weekly, on a daily basis, I hear somebody somewhere openly expressing that they're in the process of changing their mind and giving up on government. And it can be like, wow, you know, I never thought about that. I'm not sure how this, like they're entertaining the idea that they never did before, or they all the way get to the point of, I know I played the game of politics so long. And now I think you're right. It's utterly hopeless. And we have to just disobey them. Like that is happening at a rate that is thousands and thousands of times larger than anything I saw for the first 10 years of doing this. And so now you have a barge that's moving like one mile an hour. And the people who are new to the the movement, quote unquote, hate that term, but whatever. The people who are new to it are like, look at this huge barge. It's only going one mile an hour. And I say, yeah, and it would be nice if it was going 100, but it's going one mile an hour. And do you realize the momentum behind it, the amount of force that is contained in that quote unquote, tiny little amount of movement. And you can see it talking to normal people. And how and and a lot of anarchists have, you know, even all the frustrated ones have told me, you know, it does seem that, you know, I've been talking to people now. And a lot of them actually seem more open to the idea because now they're like, yeah, who's government to do this and that and the other thing? That again, if pro-freedom people would realize that the measure of what matters is the mentality of the population. It's not the legislation. It's not whatever riot is on the news tonight. It's it's the mentality of the population in general. That is the thing to keep your eye on. That is the thing that should either discourage you or give you hope, not whatever the buffoons are trying today, but how are the people thinking about it and responding to it? And there has been so much progress over the past quarter century which is nothing in the grand scheme of things you know in human history twenty five years is nothing the amount of people who have all the way given up the superstition of authority in the last twenty five years is just monumental it's there's nothing in history i 've ever seen that comes close to comparing to it and the more that spreads the faster it spreads because if it 's just one crazy kook rambling in the AOL chat rooms. Well, who cares? Like, that's going to make no difference. But there's me and there's you and there's 10,000 and 100,000 and several hundred thousand other people I know who are voluntary voluntarists who are out there talking about it and other people are hearing about it. Now, now it's not one, two, three, 12 people pushing this barge. It's 100,000 people pushing a barge that's already moving in the right direction. And so there's, you know, short term, it's so easy to get frustrated and discouraged but you have to – that's why I actually did the, I recorded a talk for Anne um, about the fact that if you, if you look at the underlying current um, of the, the mentality of the people, that is where we have to focus to, to gauge success. And there's a lot of indications that we are actually beating down the cult of government. And there's a lot to be optimistic about.
0: When you look at the un- – you said, you said the underlying current is that it's moving in a more positive direction. What can people who are wide awake, who are ready to stand and ready to push back against, how can we accelerate that? What can we do to our fellow citizens and help our fellow citizens become more aware and more empowered to push this barge maybe two mi- or three miles an hour?
1: Well, I admit that my main answer these days is completely self-serving. Um, which is my um, the program I made called Candles in the Dark, which is about it's entirely about how do you get past people's weird psychological aversion to hearing anything that doesn't match what they already believe to get them to actually think about this stuff. And the watching that in real life. And I'm actually hoping to make some more of those videos. I I made a few and stuck them on YouTube, short little exchange with people to show how there really are ways. If you can train your own psychology to not set off theirs, there are ways to get almost any normal person now pretty quickly to get to the point where he's thinking, huh, what point would I just disobey? And why do they have power over me? And do they have the right to do this? And, and, but, It's because it it's literally a cult indoctrination that makes people believe in statism. Nobody comes to that, you know, through rational thought. And I certainly didn't because it's an indoctrination. You literally have to approach it like a cult deprogramming. Um, And there are people who specialize in that. And they say, you can't just go up to somebody in a cult and say, you're in a cult. Your beliefs are stupid and expect them to go. Oh, golly gee, you're right. Like, that's that's not how the human mind works. And so Candles in the Dark is designed to get around the the silly psychological insanity of the human mind to resonate with the person inside that's already a voluntarist and get them to, to start looking at it and start questioning it. And then you're basically acting as a cheerleader for the part of them that really knows that this is bogus, that really knows that they own themselves. And they should be free and nobody should be ruling them and gently bring that out of them because it's, it's so easy for people, especially when they're scared to double down on whatever their, their stupid belief system is. Um,
0: well, well, I did candles in the dark and one of the most powerful lessons I took away if, from it is said say that you don't win the argument face value. Like you don't have the argument with the person for the sake of winning. You you win the argument or you you help them when they themselves come to their own conclusion afterwards. When you give them enough reason to doubt their beliefs or to, to kind of let it come to their own conclusion. I thought that was so powerful and when I started talking to people that way, I noticed a significant change in how people were responding. It was much less combative, much more open because I wasn't openly trying to pull them anywhere. I was just getting them to question their own beliefs. And I think you'd also mentioned that people have that wedge in the back of their head from all the programming that has happened. And if you look at the way people are now compare they were compared to where they were even before the pandemic, do you believe or see that this programming for this pandemic or whatever the, the response, government response, is quite significant? Is there enough uh, Mental? Is there enough manipulation that has been drilled in people's mindsets, where when you're trying to get people to question what's happening, it's much harder compared to getting them to question the belief in authority, which has taken place throughout 12 to 15 years of public schooling.
1: Yeah, and that, that's actually one of the reasons that that candles in the dark says, you know, for using this method of of communication, don't focus on facts and the news of the day because if they believe there's this horrible plague and it's going to kill us all and only masks can save us. You're probably not going to talk them out of that. Like they're, they already have that belief. You can send them links and studies and try to explain it. And you're probably not going to talk them out of it. The thing is you can, you can undermine that all of the garbage, whether it's the pandemic or gun control or, you know, wealth redistribution or anything, all the authoritarian garbage or outright warmongering, it all rests on the belief in authority. So if you can pull the rug out from under the whole game, all of these side issues and symptoms of the insanity just go away. And I know it's really tempting when there's like one particular big stupid injustice staring everybody in the face right now to want to focus on that. But it's the old, uh, you know, for there are what's the saying? There are 10,000 people hacking at the branches of evil to one hacking at its root. Um, is that Thoreau? Yeah, that was Thoreau. And it's totally true. And and it's very tempting. And I do it myself, too. It's tempting to get into arguing about the specifics of this, that or the other thing. And, the you know, the, and I'm not even against that. It, it's like it's not like I'm saying don't ever correct people's misconceptions about facts. But when you're in the mode of candles in the dark, it, part of that is intentionally don't try to bombard them with facts to change their mind. Go underneath and around that to find the part of them that understands that we're supposed to be free. Even if you think there's a plague out there, even if you think masks work, do you have the right to tell somebody else you're not allowed to leave your home? And most people go, well, no. I mean, I hope they won't, blah, blah, blah. But get to the part of them that's willing to accept self-ownership of themselves and of everybody else, and the rest of it just falls away. And so, like you talked about, you know, how how scared everybody... Is or was, and I actually I think that's one of the stupidest things that the control freaks did. Is they the the fear mongering was so ridiculously overblown that in the long run everybody's going to know it was overblown. A lot of normal people have already figured out this was like they (laughs) talked like this was the black plague and we were all going to be dead in a week, and we're just kind of sick of it and tired of it. And I don't see dead bodies everywhere. Like uh, what happened? That was stupid. Like they so overplayed their hand. And the fear, the fear works, you know, fear shuts down people's ability to reason and can make a bunch of people compliant. But if you over invest in fear to the point that people start going, ah, well, maybe they totally exaggerated this because I don't really feel that scared of this dumb thing. And I see a lot of people walking around without masks. And I did last month and six months ago, and they didn't all die. And I didn't die being near them. So hmm, maybe this is so that they they way over invested because sooner or later, the fear wears off. And then the thing that matters is the underlying mentality. Again, you can temporarily scare somebody into putting up with something stupid, but eventually that fear fades. And when the fear fades, then out comes who they really are and what they really believe. And that's why I want—I so much wish people would focus on the underlying authoritarianism, which that's what That's the main thing that candles in the dark focuses on is getting, helping people to escape that because without that, all the tricks and the fear mongering and the, the none of that works anymore. If people understand, you know, maybe there's a sickness out there, but I still own me and you own you. And maybe I can say you can't come into my shop without a mask. If I decide that that's the safe thing, but the guy over there in his store, He's allowed to say you can come in with a mask and I'm allowed to like not go there if I'm worried about that. And yeah, OK, let's try the whole like live and let live. thing.
0: It's it's simple. I think it's very simple. I'm glad you bring that up. It's just that, you know, doing candles on the Dark, I, that was just a very interesting way of communicating with people. And again, I just want everyone to know it's a very, very peaceful engagement. I mean, there's no utilizing keywords to trigger. I mean, it, anyway, it's just it's very peaceful Larkin, what do you think is going to happen in the next couple of years? What are your, some of your predictions about what do you see happening in the U.S. and the world? Because some countries are completely like locking down. Germany looks like they're locking down. Canada's more locked down. Some states in the U.S. are, lock, are opening up. But I wonder if there's going to be a quote-unquote new surge and these states are going to re down. What do you foresee happening, at least in the U.S. I, and the world?
1: I think a lot of the, the taking back mask mandates and opening things up was really just a matter of they realized we can't keep going with this. Too many people are going to disobey and we're going to create a black market, which they already did. Um, But they, they realized we're just going to make a bigger and bigger black market until nobody pays attention to us and everything. Everybody just does it quietly and it becomes utterly enforceable, unenforceable to tax them or regulate them or control them. It was sort of like, well, now that we're really scared, let's see how much we can get away with. And like, well, now they're less scared and less scared and less scared. Let's kind of start backing off before they like get really nasty at us. And I think I think basically this is going to demonstrate what my video. It can't happen here said, which is at the end of the day, the primary difference between this country and most other countries is that people still retain the ability to forcibly resist namely by way of guns. And so in other countries where they don't have that, and they can just say, well, we're just going to beat you up if you, if you disobey. And we're seeing that in a bunch of places. It makes it a lot harder to disobey. Now, the fun thing is, in a bunch of those places, people are disobeying anyway. They're not even armed. And thousands and thousands are taking to the streets and saying, yeah, we're just not going to do this. Right. And it works a whole lot better if you don't, if you didn't let them create this massive imbalance of power of, well, now they have a bunch of thugs with guns and you have, what, your butter knife? Now go resist them. <laughs> <laughs> but at least the mentality is there. And again, ultimately, that's what matters. Because if you have a population that has the mentality of disobedience and resistance, when it comes to you know authoritarian oppression, they're going to find a way to defeat it. It's a lot easier to do that if they started by having guns but even if they don't they're going to get some they're going to find a way and so even then as much as you know as much as i hate to see people being oppressed because they were gullible enough to give up their means of defense the mentality in the long run is still the thing that matters and it's been so encouraging to see these protests and of course the media downplays the protests too yeah, either absolutely. doesn't report them at all or realizes all right they're all over social media we can't just pretend they don't exist so we'll give some short little blurb about, oh, well, uh, a few hundred people. It's like, yeah, well, here's the picture. It's like 20,000. Oh, OK. A uh, thousand people. No, it's 20,000. Um, <laughs> Pretty many people. Like they, they no. so much don't want people seeing the example of how to disobey these psychos that they'll, they'll downplay it and try to silence it and stuff. Um, but, but even that isn't working because so many people now are just disobeying all over the place. And it's when the when the wall breaks, no pun intended, like you have all these shutdowns and then a bunch of states are like, never mind, uh, no more restrictions. Every Like in Florida, it sounds like pretty much everything is open. Um, in Texas, it sounds like pretty much everything is open. Um, when people in the states that are still being fascist can look over at Florida and go, oh, they didn't all die. In fact, their cases are lower than ours and that's true of Texas and Mississippi. It's pretty amazing. Even by their own numbers, the cases are way lower than New Jersey and New York, where they're still being full fascist. Well, that just gives those people a thing to look at and go, so why are we putting up with this? If we can look right over there and see that they're actually doing better, not being restricted. And, and so it's, again, it's training people to disobey, which is Which is why I've said the whole time, as destructive as it it was economically for so many people, this is the stupidest move I've ever seen them do because they're literally training millions of people who it never would have occurred to before. They're training them on how to disobey and resist. Which, that, if you're a tyrant and you're training your people how to say no to you, you're kind of an idiot. See,
0: see, that's awesome. I'm so glad you said it because I'm sure some people out there were thinking like they're doing the exact opposite. They're training people to be a subservient and obedient with a mask on, but I'm glad you you, you put a different uh, perspective on it. Larkin, can you please tell us a little bit about your upcoming film, Jonestown Plantation, when it's coming out, what people can do to support you?
1: Yeah, the the Jones Plantation, is it was a little animated thing that I made many years ago. Um, actually I had somebody else read it and somebody else do the, the illustrations for it. So all I did was write it. <laughs> I just did the fun part and made other people do the work. Um, but so many people have spread that around and, and thought it was really cool. And then, um, down in Anarchapolco, I did a little interview with, um, Andrew Treglia, who's the director. I didn't know him at the time. He was doing a, a, a series of interviews with people down there. And he actually had the idea and contacted me um, a little bit after that and said, "Have you ever thought of making the Jones Plantation into a real movie?" And I was like, "No." And now I'm sort of embarrassed that I never thought of that because even though the 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 illustrated one is like 10 or 12 minutes, just this you know the little parable sort of thing, it has so much potential as a full-length, you know, live-action, real movie, like really made by people who know how to make movies, i.e. not me. Um, So I said, yeah, I love that idea. And then we started meeting and getting together, and the script is now finished, and now we're in the stage of uh, uh, as finished as a script ever is. You know, the saying in Hollywood is, until the movie is in the can, the script still isn't finished because things change as you go along. Um, But, and I'm really dang happy with the the script and the the people have looked at it, a bunch of them are like, whoa, this is really cool. This is going to be really impactful. I think it's going to traumatize a hell of a lot of people in a very useful way. Um, and I've, I've said this before. Weirdly, I think what makes this movie so different and so important is the vast majority of movies when they're about freedom, what the viewer is supposed to feel is Raw, raw, raw for the good guys. I would be there right behind them. Yay, good guys win. In this movie, the part of the goal is literally to make the viewer think, I'm pretty sure I would have been on the wrong side, which means I should probably rethink some things <laughs> because it tells the story in such a way that I think most people would realize I would have fallen for this. I would have been cheering against the good guys. I would have been cheering for the psychopath. And then realize that you know the parallels to yeah, and you are cheering for the psychopaths on a daily <laughs> basis in real life, so I think it has the potential to be existentially devastating, but in a very positive way to make people actually back up and think, "Holy smokes, have I been have I are we the baddies?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> you know, I. That yes,
0: I hope it wakes people up. Mr. So Larkin Rose, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Again, you can learn about, more about Larkin by going to two different websites. One of them is com. the other one is the10candles.com. Highly recommend you take his course, Candles in the Dark. Also, there is a gem of a book, highly recommend you pick up, called The Most Dangerous Superstition. Really will challenge the belief in authority. And then there's another fun book I read recently called. Parasites on Parade. That was a, a blast. Larkin, thank you so much for your wisdom and for your upbeat positive attitude on everything. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our unbelievable guest. And special thanks as always to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Constance Dallas, and our social producer, Jenny Lemisa. To learn more about the Outer of Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outoflimitsradio.com. And till the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beer. Hey! Take good care and thank you so much for listening.